Welcome back to Horizon Scanning. I'm Dylan Riddle. In May, Deutsche Bank held a sustainability deep dive to explain to stakeholders our sustainability strategy and the progress we've made thus far. As CEO Christian Savings said, we've placed sustainability at the core of our strategy to support our clients' sustainable transformation. As the head of ESG for the Americas region, Emily Kreps is a key part of this goal. Thank you for joining us, Emily. Thank you for having me, Dylan. Can you give us an overview of what you do as head of ESG in the region? Sure. This is a new role for Deutsche Bank in the Americas, uh, designed by our regional CEO, Christiana Riley. There are two main areas of work uh, in, in my role, which are of equal importance. One is to support our business areas across the region, the investment bank, the corporate bank, and the international private bank. Two is to support our initiatives for the bank. For example, working with our colleagues in risk, regulatory affairs, data, venture investments, and importantly, engaging with our colleagues on their ESG journey. The U.S. has lagged behind Europe and Asia in addressing ESG in all spheres, government, regulatory, corporate engagement, and the financial system. As a European universal bank, we're uniquely positioned to share the developments and trends we see in areas of the market with our America's stakeholders. I do want to note the conversation is different for our colleagues in Canada, Mexico, and Latin America. In some cases, the discussions leapfrogged where the U.S. market currently sits. So what types of commitments has Deutsche Bank made so far in the sustainability journey? In April 2021, uh, Deutsche Bank was a founding member of the Net Zero Banking Alliance, convened under the UN uh, Environmental Program Financial Initiative. As a financial institution under this initiative, we've made the commitment to be net zero by 2050. Now, net zero is a nebulous concept that's been thrown around very freely by a lot of stakeholders. However, it's a massive undertaking that requires us to measure the impact uh, that we are enabling to be financed. For example, if we do a bond deal for an oil and gas company, what percentage of those companies' emissions can we attribute to our balance sheet? And, and what does this mean for our clients? Um, obviously, every company is kind of at a different stage along their transition to a net zero kind of model. Um, but so what, is, what does your role mean for them? What kind of interactions are you having with our clients? Sure. So as we think about meeting our commitments to be net zero, uh, we need our clients to come along the journey with us because we cannot reach net zero without their uh, commitment and participation. For our clients to reach net zero, one of the most important things they need to think about is setting interim uh, targets that are measurable and verifiable. And it's with these target setting pro uh, processes in mind that I'm really excited to uh, speak with Andreas Chang from the Science-Based Targets Initiative today. Andreas is research manager at the Science-Based Targets Initiative. Let's jump into your conversation with him. Andreas, we're really pleased to have you here. And uh, as the ESG arena is really fraught with uh, acronyms, can you explain to us what SBTI is, the Science-Based Targets Initiative? Sure, Emily, and thank you so much for having me. Um, the Science-Based Targets Initiative is a partnership across four of the leading climate and environmental organizations. And we champion and set the global standard for science-based targets. These are emissions reduction targets that show businesses, financial institutions, and their stakeholders just how much and how quickly they need to be cutting their emissions based on the goals of the Paris Agreement. Since its founding in 2015, the Science-Based Targets Initiative has had an explosion of growth. 
Um, last time we crunched the numbers, which was about a year ago, there was 20% of the global market cap covered by companies that either set or were committed to setting science-based targets. So that's about $20 trillion in valuation. And to give you another sense of scale, some of these companies have an emissions footprint the size of a small or medium country. So by setting targets and really following through on them, we can influence an enormous volume of emissions. That sounds really ambitious. Um, you co-authored uh, some important guidance within the Science-Based Targets Initiative, uh, the foundations of net zero in 2020, followed by the net zero standard in 2021. You know, that's a really overwhelming topic. So what are the key components of a net zero target? A really important question to be asking because without a common definition of net zero, it's impossible to know whether a business's net zero target is credible or not. And that's because they differ in about three ways. The first is what's covered by the net zero target. The second is what actually counts to meet the target. And the third is by when. So the, let, let's start with the by when component, because as I understand it, net zero is limiting global warming to one and a half degrees Celsius by 2050. So is it more complicated than that? Well, when we look at the economy in a net zero world and society in a net zero world, we know that there are going to be drastic, drastic changes. So it's important for companies to be setting long-term targets that help shape their strategy and their understanding of what it takes to get there. But it's equally important for them to be setting near-term targets that reduce emissions as soon as possible. Uh, we have a clear directive from the IPCC to be cutting global emissions by about half by 2030, which means there are massive steps that we need to be taking immediately. So near-term and long-term targets play complementary roles. Excellent. And how about in terms of what counts? Um, if you take, for example, the automotive industry or the consumer industry, you know, what type of things should companies uh, or consumers be thinking about? Well, surely it's important for companies to be taking action on their products and activities that have the greatest climate impact. Uh, one area the Science-Based Targets Initiative has been really successful since it was founded in 2015 is uh, really setting a norm for companies to take action on reducing their operational emissions and their value chain emissions. This means looking upstream at the goods and services they purchase and downstream at what they sell, whether that is cars for an automobile company or groceries or even fossil fuels for electric utilities that provide customers with gas. So it boils down to at first, is a company doing enough to reduce its own emissions before getting into any sort of offsets and looking beyond its own emissions footprint for opportunities? Sounds like uh, a, a complex uh, mix here. So how are target setting protocols created by the Science-Based Targets Initiative? You mentioned the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Um, can you talk us through a little bit about why this is such an important protocol? The SBTI really puts a premium on science and multi-stakeholder collaboration. So when it comes to science-based targets, they're all based on the remaining carbon budget, which is pretty well known, and the emissions reductions over time that are needed to conserve that carbon budget. Uh, we also look at how 
a limited carbon budget can be split across different sectors. And all of this requires some pretty in-depth engagement with the scientific community. So we do have an active scientific advisory group that helps guide all of our frameworks. And beyond that, there's a really important role played by multi-stakeholder collaboration. This means that we bring together companies, civil society, academia, uh, and more into one room to help develop the standard and test how it will actually work. In the case of the net zero standard, um, we went through an almost two year long process to develop it with several different rounds of public consultation and around 70 companies that were involved with road testing it. So even though these targets are very challenging for companies, we know that many companies are ready to be setting them. So it sounds like the target setting protocol is very robust. What about validation? How can we uh, know that these targets are relevant or credible? The Science-Based Targets Initiative is all about getting companies in the door and on their way to climate action. We know that setting a target isn't enough, that companies also need to be delivering on those targets. And validating the target is really the first step in terms of driving this kind of accountability, um, assessing different elements of the target right from the gate. Um, this is really important for us to be sure that different companies have targets that are comparable and consistent, because otherwise uh, it is really hard to understand the credibility of different climate targets. The SBTI has a dedicated team of staff that review uh, business and financial institution science-based targets. So we are looking at things like whether or not they've accounted for their emissions footprint correctly, whether or not they're covering the emission sources that they need to based on their sector, and the actual level of emissions reduction that is uh, required by their target. All of that needs to be checked from the get-go so that when they're tracking their target over time and taking the actions that are needed to meet it, we can line those up and see if it's uh, see if it's working. Andres, you co-authored important guidance on the foundations of net zero in 2020, um, followed this last fall by the net zero standard. Um, what are the what's been the reception of uh, of this standard? We've seen a surprising amount of enthusiasm and uptake from companies, and we knew we had support from civil society and academia in the sort of requirements for the standard. Um, but quite frankly, it is surprising to see that our whole calendar up to 2023 is full of companies that want to have their net zero targets validated by the SBTI. And I think this shows that companies are willing to go out on a limb to some extent and uh, really take the plunge into what's needed to be lining up to net zero. So it sounds like there's a lot of work to do um, for, the, for the financial sector. If we think about the climate finance gap, what are the opportunities uh, for the financial sector and corporates to contribute? Well, the IPCC estimates that there's around two to $4 trillion of investment needed on an annual basis for us to get to net zero. That's an enormous amount and it covers infrastructure, transforming the energy system and natural car uh, climate solutions like reforestation. A lot of that's gonna have to come from the private sector. So companies are looking to that as a way of supplementing their science-based targets. And it's critical for companies to keep a focus on reducing their own emissions 
but they certainly can go further and contribute to these projects as a way of helping the world get to net zero. The financial sector has an enormous role to play in helping finance these massive infrastructure, energy, and natural climate projects. And of course, there's going to be a huge role for the public sector to play, and the public sector has always played in channeling this finance. So, Andreas, you're a brilliant mathematician, a scientist, an artist. You know, why do you devote your career to tackling climate change? First of all, thanks for these compliments. Uh, And the climate crisis is really the defining challenge of our time. And on one hand, I got into climate because of my interest in the research and exciting technical challenges to be grappled with. Um, But when I really became passionate about the climate change movement was understanding its distributional impacts and how it affects the poor and people of color disproportionately all over the world. So I'm driven by um, the potential to do good in climate and specifically working with SBTI for me is driven by uh, my excitement in the multi-stakeholder processes um, that we go through to develop everything. Well, thank you. The world definitely uh, needs needs people like you, uh, not only on the, the technical and scientific side, but also to, to demonstrate their passion so we can all move the economy. Horizon Scanning has been produced by Deutsche Bank and is intended for general information purposes only. By accessing Horizon Scanning, you confirm that you are entitled to do so in accordance with your own regulatory requirements. Any opinions, estimates or projections discussed in this podcast constitute the current judgment of the speaker at the time of recording and do not represent a formal or official view of Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank does not make any representations or warranties in respect of the currency, accuracy or completeness of any information included in this podcast or the reasonableness of any opinions expressed. Information included may not be complete or up to date for your purposes and is subject to change. For further disclosures and other important information, please visit research.db.com.